Hello and welcome back to the Division 4 podcast, uh, our weekly sports podcast. <laughs> I'm joined with my co-host, Don. What up? And our special guest, Alex. Ah, special. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Very special. Special, yeah. Uh, and we're here to talk about the NBA playoffs, um, what's happened so far, uh, what's going to happen going forward. And why don't we just jump right into it? What do you guys think? Uh, well, right now, at the time we're uh, recording this, the Bucks are currently laying the smackdown on the Nets, which is a nice <laughs> change of pace from what we've been seeing. Yeah, I was just watching that before we started this. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I forgot the game started. I knew it was 7.30 in the back of my head, but then I was focusing on 8 o'clock to record, and then Alex was like, yeah, it's 30 to 9. I was like, oh, word. Yeah, I've never seen something like what just happened. I think um, in the first quarter, uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton scored every single point for the Bucks. Yeah. So those mm-hmm. two are just popping off. Well, they need it. And because as far as momentum goes, first of all, you can't go down 3-0. And you can't just barely win a game at this point. You To swing the momentum back to you, you need to just fucking murder him right here, right now. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a must-win game for Milwaukee. In all sense of the word, um, especially given that they got spanked in the last game. So they needed to come up with a fire, and it kind of feels like Giannis hasn't had the aggression that he needs to have as the best player on this team. Uh, It feels like he's kind of coasted a little bit too much. So it's good to see him and Middleton both off to a good start after poor performances from both of them in the first two, because I think they were kind of the biggest reason the Bucs managed to win the first two. I don't think either of them have been aggressive enough for hitting their shots. So for 15-point quarters for both of them is a good start. For sure. And, you know, as much as this series is interesting, it's not over yet. And what we do have is, I believe, eight series we can talk about. So let's get right into those. I've got the bracket here, so let's just start right from the left with the Utah-Memphis, which was... All intents and purposes, it was kind of a boring series. It was interesting, you know, to see Memphis get in through the playing tournament, but we knew they weren't going to make a splash, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a gentleman's sweep. Uh, Memphis is, I think they said, the second or third youngest team in the league, so this is, like, just good experience for them. John Morant leading a team to the playoffs in his second year is certainly noteworthy. Uh, I know everybody thought the Warriors were going to be that team, but... Yeah. Memphis ended up winning that game, and then they surprised everyone when they took the first game off Utah. Um, and I know we were like, well, this could potentially be an interesting series now, but obviously game one, Utah didn't have Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell comes back for the next four, and they sweep those. Yeah, it's a completely different yeah. series at that point. Turns just out like having your best scorer is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just like the classic, you know, eight-seed, one-seed matchup, where most of the time the eight-seeds just to get a little experience and are a bit of a younger team. Uh, I did hear actually that the Grizzlies are the youngest team to make the playoffs since the 2011 Thunder. So, yeah, they got they got a bright future, and they did all this while um, while Jaron Jackson barely played. So it felt like he never oh, really true. got off the ground because he missed like three quarters of the season. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So they're only gonna get better from here. Yeah, bright future in Memphis. John Morant's a fucking monster. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really all that needs to be said about that series. But the next one here is interesting. I want to talk about this one because it's been bothering me a little bit. 
Clippers, Mavericks, can we get Luka Doncic some fucking help? Yeah. Please. Need help so bad. Clowned right now. <laughs> a whole new fucking <laughs> definition to playoff P here. He just stole it from yeah. Paul George. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw a good meme about that. I'll have to find it and show you guys where it was like a relay <laughs> race. Um, and Porzingis was running with the playoff P mantle and then he hands it off to Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't. I feel bad for Luka Doncic because that guy just balled out for seven fucking games, and he gets a first round exit to show for it. And it like, here's series. the thing, right? Like Dallas, Dallas traded for Porzingis, hoping that he would be Doncic's Robin. Um, and like, given that like the guy we saw in New York, I think to be fair, half of this fault is Porzingis's injuries. He's uh, like significantly slower than he was in New York. His block numbers are basically in half. Uh, he's a non-factor in the rim. I don't think it's entirely like Porzingis playing like shit as much as I think injuries have really slowed him down. Mm. Um, and so as much as like there's an immediate panic button to trade him and try and get value, like his value's at an all-time low. This is still like a 24, 25-year-old guy who is a couple years removed from being an all-star. So I'm not sure if he's the second best player on a championship team. But I think the the best version of Porzingis, the one who's healthy, who we saw a couple of years ago, is at least around the level of like a Chris Bosh. So I think he could be a good third best player on a championship team when he's at his best. Right. I agree with that. And I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to see Porzingis not hampered by his injuries again. You know, he's a big dude. And yeah, being 7'3". We've we've seen a lot of guys that big who came in the league and had a couple of years, but once once they start piling up the injuries, they slow you down so much. Mm-hmm. Like we saw that with Yao Ming, we saw that with fucking I know nobody saw it with Bill Walton, but like we know Bill Walton was an MVP like year three and then was out of the league. Right. Fucking ten years into his career. Like being that big is a blessing and a curse sometimes, right? Right, it gives you where you need to go, but it doesn't really lock it. It just, as far as job security, I guess, you're just more likely to get hurt. Yeah, Dallas is going to have a an interesting offseason, both because they have to figure out what to do with the rest of the roster around Luka, the fact that Luka's eligible for his extension, and then, like, half that roster is free agents because they were looking forward to this summer and trying to go after Giannis. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's no longer an option. Most of the big free agents are every signed with their teams, so... Uh, I guess they can try and throw Max Steele at Kawhi Leonard in some sort of weird hope, but otherwise I think they're going to have to like divide the money among a couple of role players and try and find the right fitting guys yeah. for Josh Richardson's same thing to work out. They don't have any real assets either for like a big trade. They don't have any picks that they can really trade, so they're kind of stuck hoping for free agency, but I don't see, I don't see anyone big because they could really sign, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of stuck with no help for a while. I mean, they have the money, and like, I think if they get the right, like, look at what Atlanta did too, right? Like, Atlanta last free agency, they didn't sign any star. They kind of signed three or four guys worth like 10 to 20 mil. They got Galinari and Bogdanovich and a couple other guys. And those guys are just pairing really well around Trey Young. And I think Dallas needs to follow a similar blueprint to that where they don't have to like. Even if they don't land Kawhi, if they can land like three of the top twenty free agents and they're good fits around Luca, combined with Porzingis getting healthy, I think this team could still be back on the right track next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Luca is 
like a special special kind of talent like there's mm-hmm. you know there's superstars that come and go but then there's like transcendent superstars who can actually really carry a team and i definitely think luke is one of those i i don't even know if he needs you know a second actual big star to start winning some playoff series but i think they definitely at least need more players who can defend who can hit the three pointers that luke is setting them up for because i mean man is averaging the most points of anyone ever in the postseason so my yeah. man's help. I mean, it's it's kind of what offenses, I think LeBron started this, where you just, you build around one guy who can literally do everything. Harden did this in Houston, Luka's up to this in Dallas, where I think you just surround them with, like, guys who can space the floor and do all of the other little things and go, yeah, like, Luka can carry the offense. I think the biggest issue with it, though, is I think it works really well in the regular season, but I think it starts to hit a wall in the playoffs because... I think the other weakness we saw from this team is as much as Luca was carrying, his fourth quarter numbers are down from his first three because I think he's so gassed from carrying the entire Dallas offense for three quarters. Like, you don't need a second Luka Doncic-like playmaker, but you need somebody who can at least, like, help him make some plays from time to time when he needs to sit or when he needs to, like, stop pushing so hard. Yeah, you need a secondary playmaker. I mean, they don't really have one. I mean... Trey Burke's probably like the closest thing they have to a secondary playmaker, and obviously that's not what you want. So, yeah, you can't play Trey Burke in the playoffs. That's a huge yeah. liability. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, go ahead. Oh, if you have something to say about it, go ahead. I was going to move on to the next series. Oh, I would just you know closing thought. As long as you have Luka Doncic there, they're going to be in the first round of the playoffs, at least for the rest of his career, hopefully. It's just, you know, is it, do you chalk the Porzingis experiment up to an L and move on, or give another year? No, because he's got a couple years on his contract, and he has negative trade value right now. Right. And I think there's enough reward still. Like, they're not... The the thing is, right now, he's basically the only big contract they actually have because Lucas still got one more year left on his rookie deal. So they have cap space to go out in free agency and get some guys before Lucas' extension kicks in. Right. And so I think you give this another year. He becomes more tradable when he has one or two years left on his deal. If it doesn't work out next year, then I think you probably go into the offseason with that mindset. But I think given that we've seen how good he can be, and I think Porzingis on paper fits with Luca. I think it's just one of those things where you don't hit the panic button on two 25-year-old guys, or in Luca's case, like 22, uh, quite yet. I am inclined to agree with you on that, but it's going to be a big decision, whether it's this year or next year. And uh, speaking of big decisions, I want to talk about the Trailblazers Nuggets next series here, because what are, what are we going to do for Dame Lillard? This is... I feel so bad for this guy the same way I do for Luca because I yeah. feel like he just scores points and he doesn't get the win. I think this is the opposite, where I think Luca, you still have time and it's not time to panic yet. But I think I think the Blazers have this isn't like the second year they got bounced in the first round on a twenty two year old's back. This is thirty year old Damian Lillard going out four of the five last playoffs in the first round. Like this this is a different situation. This is yeah. one of those things where it's like I think this team has peaked. I think we've seen what this roster can do. And I know they fired the coach, but I don't think the coach is the problem. Like there, there is deeper rooted problems than just a coach. If you're going out in the playoffs for the last five years with 
Dame Lillard putting up 35 a night. Well, I think the uh, problem is pretty cut and dried. There's no defense. There, yeah, Dame Lillard is putting up an obscene amount of points, but everyone else on the other side is also getting to put up an obscene amount of points because you can't stop them. Yeah. And uh, I think the the easy fix there is just I don't think firing the coach was necessary. I don't think that was the problem to begin with. But just need defense. You can't out coach players that can't play defense. Yeah, so it was time to trade for one. I don't know who's on the market, but CJ McCollum's great. I think he's a great scorer. I think you just make a blockbuster deal and yeah. bring in some defense. I think, um, and I I always like. And weird when um, teams fire coaches, but they don't have a plan. Like, if you fire a coach, you do it because you, you, it's either like you've tried, like, I think they're going to try both things this offseason where they're going to fire the coach and make roster changes. But I feel like you always try one in the offseason and not the other. Like, you know, if you have a couple of bad years, maybe the coach is the issue and you try switching that out. If that doesn't work, then you try swapping some roster pieces. Um, but like, it feels like they fired a coach without really looking at the market, but I don't actually know who's an upgrade to Terry Stotts who's available right now. Yeah. Like, unless, I guess, maybe Mike D'Antoni, but at that point, they've even further said fuck defense because we all know <laughs> Mike D'Antoni doesn't coach that side of the basketball. Yeah, I saw actually, I did see earlier that um, the rumor was Mike D'Antoni, so. Yeah, and I, it, it makes sense. Because we've we've seen what he does, what he's done for Steve Nash and James Harden, and you know, he's a point guard whisperer. Like I'm sure Dame Lillard will love that, but they also they need to like find better defenders to pair with that. All right, you can draw up all the defensive schemes you want and all these game plans, but when your players just aren't good at defending, it it, it all goes out the window, and that's what we see with this team and. I don't know. Now, I just kind of wanted to, not that I really put much stake in it, but I do live in New York. I talk to a lot of Knicks fans. In fact, I only talk to Knicks fans for the most part. And uh, they want to know. I have this conversation multiple times a day at this point ever since the Blazers got bounced. What are the odds Dame gets traded? Zero. Zero. Yeah, I agree. I it's don't got think way it's... too long for this contract. Right, and he's still young-ish for like a point guard because I think now careers just last longer look at lebron look at fucking chris paul i don't think you blow it up yeah i think i think he's got two years left on his contract i think you that's why they're panicking and making a bunch of changes i think you change the coach you change the roster but you keep dame and you give it one more go and i think next off season if like if it's an early bounce if it's a first round and dame hasn't given any indication that he's going to resign then you look at a guy who you're like, yeah, okay, he's a 31-year-old superstar on the last year of his contract. We've seen teams do that with like Carmelo and James Harden and Darren right. Williams where like, it's time to jumpstart the rebuild. You get a big package for a guy like Dame. But I don't think that's this year. I think that's a that's a next year. I think the roster is this year. I do totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, Turns I mean... Out. Go ahead. Uh... I was going to say that, I mean, the NBA is no different than the NFL, really, in that defense wins championships. I mean, the Warriors, obviously, you know, they had the Splash Bros, uh, they had KD, but, I mean, they still had a top-two defense all the time. The Lakers last year had the best defense. I think the Blazers are fine on offense, but they need to do whatever they can to defense around Dame, and they'll be fine. 
I don't yeah. think they're I don't think they're stuck or in a position to where they need to trade Dame anytime soon. Really just need to go all out to get all the three and D players again. And I mean every NBA champion since two thousand, uh outside of the Mavericks have been top ten in both offense and defense. So you need like at least a high level on both ends of the floor. I mean shocking, right? The only team that uh, didn't fit that criteria was 2011 Dallas, and they were 11th defensively, so they were also still fine. Um, so yeah, you need to have both. Uh, I think the best choice is they need to pick one of McCollum or Powell, because I think they're both shooting guards. They've been playing Powell at small forward, and I've always thought Powell's a shooting guard. Um, but I think both of them are guys who can put up 20 points per game next to Lillard, and I think that's good. I think having a secondary scorer is good. But I think having both of them and then Carmelo Anthony on top of that was just a lot. Um, so I think they need to pick one of McCollum or Powell, probably Powell, because I think McCollum has kind of peaked. And yeah. so I think you re-sign Powell, and I think McCollum would probably fetch a bigger package anyway. So look to trade McCollum, see if you can get a forward who is a versatile defender. Someone like a Draymond Green is what you want to try and seek out for pa- or, uh, McCollum. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, Dame has four years left on this contract. Oh, I oh. thought he only had two. He'll be a free agent in 2025. So, okay. well. yeah, but also we know how much like security. I don't know if Dame suddenly is 31 or 32 and decides like he wants to ask for a trade. I think given his loyalty, Portland would do it anyway. That was. Yeah. The next question I wanted to ask. Now, obviously, we know the Blazers' front office wouldn't plan on trading him, blowing it up just yet. Do you think Dame's sick of it? What are the chances he just demands a trade? I don't think uh, this year. It, yeah. it doesn't seem like Dame. He seems really loyal. And I think I think it's kind of like Westbrook, where Westbrook didn't demand a trade until basically the writing was on the wall and Oklahoma City almost wanted him to ask for a trade. And I feel like Dame would be the same thing. Like Portland would be so close to a rebuild and they'd be like, hey, Dame, do you really want to play for this rebuilding team? Like, you got to ask for a trade. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point when Dame would ask for a trade. I don't think he would do it because he's not winning enough in Portland. He wants to win in Portland is his thing. Yeah. Hope he does. Yeah, guys like that are great for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Good guy, I love seeing guys sign with their um with their small markets, medium markets, you know, actually reward the team rather than all these super teams like the Nets. But yeah, and I I, I love how I'm people doing. look at like big market, small market thing. But like, let's be honest, right? If you're if you're a fucking city hosting an NBA team, you're fucking you're small market compared to the New Yorks and the Los Angeles, but you're still a big fucking market. No team that has an NBA team is a small-ass city, right. right? People need to stop fucking complaining about being in Salt Lake City. It's still a goddamn city. <laughs> As an example. <laughs> that is a good point. Right. Uh, yeah, so we'll just kick it to the east now. I, oh, wait, I'm sorry. There's one more matchup. It's there probably is. the most important one to it's... talk about out of the west. LeBron's out, man! Hell yeah, Phoenix. Holy shit. I called it that. I love it. Did you? Oh, yeah, man. Did. Yeah, no, I posted it. I, uh, again, Phoenix fits the criteria of, like, champions from the last 20 years that I talked about. They're top 10 in both offense and defense. And as much as we all wanted to believe in LeBron mm-hmm. carrying a team out of the first round, like, 
the numbers don't lie. And I know that like sometimes like he did similar thing when he was a four seed in Cleveland, like where he just turned it on in the playoffs. And I think people were hoping that LeBron would just suddenly flip a switch, but sometimes the regular season is what you are. It is your ceiling and you can't flip that switch. And I had similar, like it felt similarly to the seven seeded Lakers when they got Dwight Howard and Steve Nash and everyone was like, Oh, they're only the seven seed, but they'll flip it on. Uh, it turns out the regular season was their limitation. So very well said. Yeah. I mean, just... to be fair, they were up two to one when Anthony Davis got injured. Yeah, and I mean that's and and that's part of the reason they were the seventh seed anyway. Like both LeBron and AD missed a lot of time, but it also felt like even though LeBron played the whole series and AD played half of it, that either of them felt like they were playing at full speed. Especially LeBron, this is probably the most human he's looked in his career, mm-hmm. which is saying yeah, something, <laughs> right? Considering the guy, well, he's what thirty four now. I think he's 36. He's been playing since 2003. He's almost been playing 20 years in the NBA. I wanted to make sure I didn't overshoot, so I went low, and uh, damn. (laughs) He's fucking old. But yeah, I mean, what do you (laughs) do? Anthony Davis went down. Maybe that's the reason they lost. We'll never know. But uh, what I did see was Phoenix come out in game six and look like the best fucking offense I've ever seen in my life. That was insane. Devin Booker was automatic. I, there was a fucking magnet at the bottom of the rim that was just drawing the ball, and he could not miss. Yeah, we he have. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's all I was uh, Yeah, we, we, it feels like sometimes we've been overlooking. We have a lot of, like, really good young scorers. I think everyone's paying attention to the do-it-all guys like the Lucas and the fucking Hardens because that's the kind of the way, the direction the NBA has gone. But we've got these 25, 30 point per game scorers who, well, like, they don't excel at too many other things, can do that. Uh, uh, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, and there's a bunch of other guys. I think Edwards is going to join this conversation soon, by the way. Um, But, like, these guys who can put up 20 or 30 points per game, I think, are so much more valuable in the playoffs because I think defenses are more tailor made to shut off all the little things you do. And if you can't excel at one thing, I think it's harder to stand out. I think Ben Simmons into that little issue where like he's great in the regular season, but I think he's a bit of a liability in the playoffs. But like having a guy who can drop 50, like Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, is so valuable in the playoffs, especially when they have those games. Because if they have one of those games and they can't be stopped, you just won yourself a game in the series. You can almost like get carried by that kind of performance. And winning yeah. one game in the series can be the difference in the series, right? Yeah, uh, I said at the beginning, obviously I picked the Lakers over the Suns. I I think it was a reasonable thing to do, given what we know about fucking LeBron James. Yeah, but it was fair. Yeah, I did say if the Suns win, or I, I guess I phrase it more as if a team is going to beat the Lakers out of this side here, it was going to be the Suns, because I feel like First of all, any team with Chris Paul has a lot of upset potential just because he's a veteran and, like, so smart with what he does. Where if you're going to upset the best player in the world, he's going to be the one to do it. Chris Paul's uh, career has aged like a fine wine. Just, like, there are so many point guards who, like, the ones who don't rely on athleticism feels like they peak after age 32. Because Steve Nash and John Stockton had the best years of their careers, like, late in their careers, and neither of those guys were particularly athletic either. Like, that's 
It feels like these smart guys just get smarter with more experience. And yeah. I feel like Chris Paul's playing at an all-time level, and that's saying something because he was—he's been terrific most of his career. I mean, he just finished how high in MVP voting? He was up there. Yeah, I think he was fifth, fourth. fourth? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was top five. It was—it was him, Curry, Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic, and that's—I kind of agree with that top five. Yeah, very valid top five, and obviously the winner. Also yeah, the last four great. games. He's had 53 assists and only two turnovers, I believe, was the number I saw. Oh, my God. And I think the last God. two games, he's had zero turnovers. That's why he's the point guard. Yeah, point um, guard. Yes, sir. Yeah, I definitely agree that I thought if anyone was going to beat the Lakers, it would be the Suns. I'm fully on board the Suns hype train at this point. I think yeah. the Suns are going to the finals. I think they're going to beat Utah. They're a tough matchup because they, they have all the things that you want in a contender. And I feel like people were overestimating them because they were so young and they kind of came from like bubble just missing the playoffs last year to the two seed. But like as much as they're new to the playoffs with this current iteration, I mean, Chris Paul helps a lot too, but they have all of the pieces you want from a contender. They have a big time scorer. They have a superstar at the point guard. Aiton has fucking broken out these playoffs and is one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Even if his block numbers don't show it, um, the percentage people players shoot on him because he stays down and contests things and he doesn't jump for stupid shit like Hassan Whiteside. Uh, <laughs> Aiton has been fucking terrific for them. They have a high-level 3 and D guy. Mikkel Bridges is probably a top-10 wing defender in the league. They have those four. Th- like, this team feels much a lot like the Miami team from last year where it's just this young team where they have, like, all of the necessary pieces. They have Jay Crowder, which is, you know, the comparison both teams had Jay Crowder. Turns out Jay Crowder is just the missing link all along. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this feels like Miami from last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just have winning players. Like, you know, it's kind of a meme, the Jay Crowder thing, but like, players like him are just kind of role players that you need to win in this league. Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean that he's over. The, the missing link, but Jay Crowder is absolutely the guy you want on a winning team. I'm just... Yeah, and they're but, filled with guys like that. Yeah, and, and having... I think it's young players with, like, one really good veteran is good for, like, the development of those young players and the team overall, because it was the same thing with Miami last year. It was Jimmy Putler was in the Chris Paul role, took this fucking squad, led it, and the young players benefited and played really well from it. Like Bam, Aiton, uh, Hero, Booker. I mean, Booker's way better, but like just just for comparison, right? Like you have a veteran leader, and you just have a bunch of young guys playing behind him. Yep. Yeah. I speaking am... of the Heat. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna segue us because I figured we were talking about the Heat so much. But if you got something else you want to add to the series. Yes, I do, and I was actually trying to set up my segue into the next (laughs) series. Uh, Now, we have the Lakers, who just went out round one. A lot of the speculation, because, you know, I'm a big speculation guy, is that LeBron's going to look for another superstar to come join him, build the super team, and win a ring next year. The number one guy I'm seeing is Russell Westbrook, who is now on the game we're going to talk about next series. We're going to talk about next just also got bashed from the first round. What do you think of it? Um, I think, well, first of all, about the series specifically, I don't think the series is very interesting. No, it was awful. I think Brady happened, so we don't have to spend too long on it. Right. But for the Westbrook rumor, I mean, that's kind of a terrible fit. I'm not going to lie. He would, their shooting is already bad enough. 
and you want to add, you know, I, I I love him sometimes, but there's a reason that he gets called Westbrook. Like, true. I, I, I don't, don't think that's a good. I don't know how that works salary wise because Westbrook, Westbrook Davis and LeBron would be all three of their salaries. Um, they would literally not only have minimums to fill out the other guys, and I don't think you need big threes unless they fit together really well. Like, I, I, I know that everyone's going to try and match Brooklyn right now, and I know that, like, big threes have always kind of been a thing, but I don't think 32-year-old Westbrook, 36-year-old LeBron, and Anthony Davis is the direction. I think they just have to, like, they won a championship last year, and as much as, you know, we want to claim bubble fronts, and it was a weird fucking year, but the fact of the matter is they won with LeBron and AD, and I absolutely think that those two plus the right pieces around them is better than trying to smudge three superstars together and having minimum players fill out the rest of the roster. Right. So I will say, I just got the idea from scrolling through NBA Instagram. I don't know how the salary works out. I don't know what they'd have to do to make it happen. I wanted to see, like, your your thoughts, of course, on just adding a superstar, maybe Westbrook, maybe someone else. I think you just don't change anything, really. You get the fuck. You get rid of Dennis Schroeder because that dude is. Well, yeah, I, I, I think you <laughs> change the it. things. I think I think you just change the locker room guys. I think you get rid of Schroeder and Drummond. You find a a good center. I think Marc Gasol is good, but I think the problem with Gasol is you can't play him big minutes anymore. I think he's the guy you want for fifteen minutes a game. So they have to find like a full time center. They have to find a full time point guard. Um, so they they have some holes to fit, but I don't think chasing superstars is the answer given how many holes they have to fit. Yeah, it'd be like trying to plug three holes in a bucket and just taking a really big sponge <laughs> to one of them instead of taking three smaller sponges to your three holes. Yeah, and I don't want to you know drag us back to LA because I, I, we're trying to move on. That was my bad. No, but okay. closing point here really is that LeBron's not done yet. He will be back next year. And hopefully with less injury, and then we're probably talking a whole different story here, you know? Yeah. So now let's officially move back to the East. We we talked about the Wizards because we said everything that needed to be said. It was a boring fucking series. But if you guys got anything to say, go nuts. Uh, no, not really. I mean, they, t- they <laughs> took a game off them, so it was, it was not a sweep sweep. Um, and, like, to be fair, like, Washington's in a decent position. They had a really fucking bad start. Westbrook, he was either playing through injury or, like, Westbrook's first half of the season for the last couple of years, it feels like he plays, like, absolute shit, and people are like, man, you don't want Westbrook. And then he, like, does his high-energy thing where he still sucks at shooting, but he's good at other things. You're <laughs> like, well, fuck, Westbrook's... And, like, they had a winning record, like, the last 20 or 30 games or whatever, and they did that... With well missing their starting center Thomas Bryant for the entire year, with a bunch of young players, they lost any Adija Adia. I don't remember how to say his name, but like they they, they lost him to a fucking gruesome knee injury. Uh, hopefully he can get back because he was a young part of what they're doing. Ruhachimura is getting really good. They're they're one of those teams where they have a good mix of like veterans and young players. They have a bit of salary. They have a pick this year, like. You add a couple more pieces to Washington, and they're, we're talking about maybe like a four to six seed next year, and mm-hmm. they take someone out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they made it here, so that was impressive enough after their start. There's clearly yeah. pieces there. I'm so excited to see if they repeat, but as far as basketball, this was a very boring series. Yeah. Skyler, you got anything? 
about that series, no. I think we should, we would just move <laughs> on to the. Uh, Fair. I agree. Uh, yeah, Bucks and Heat, maybe. Uh, I'm going right down the right here, just in order of bracket. The next one would be Knicks Hawks, which is another series that you really don't have to talk much about. But Trey Young's a monster. Julius Randle sure. looked awful in the playoffs, and what do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, Julius Randle. I, I don't know what went wrong for the man, but uh, needs to to not do whatever he just did in the playoffs because he was easily like the biggest. Out of every team's number one option, I'm pretty sure he was, like, by far the worst in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler wasn't good either. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. It's, yeah. it's pretty fair. At least Jimmy Butler also brings defense, so there's that. Uh, yeah, everyone thought that the three other East series, or, or at least the two, like, the 1-8 the and the 2-7 matchups in the East, the East feels a lot more lopsided where there's, like, two or three contenders. And so everyone was like, yeah, okay, those those matchups are going to be pretty lopsided. And then 4-5, people were like, yeah, it's going to go in 7. And I saw a lot of Hawks in 7, a lot of Knicks in 7. But point is, I saw most people saying this was going to be a 6 or 7 game series. Um, and that it would be close. But, I mean, I liked the Hawks coming out of this. Because I, I mean, the Hawks, speaking of teams that had a rough start, they were 14-20 and 20 when they fired uh, Floyd Pierce. They picked up a real head coach, Nate McMillan, who turns out was not the problem in Indiana. The roster was, because look at where Indiana landed. Um, and yeah, Nate McMillan gave this team a real coach. They have a really fucking interesting team. Like, this is what Dallas needs to do around Luka Doncic right now. I, I, could, I could gush about Atlanta as a young team. Like, and this the other thing is, like, they're this good already. They took game one off Philly. I think they're going to make it an interesting series. They have like seven or eight players on rookie contracts who are like 22 or under. This isn't just a good team this year. This team is set up for the next four to five years to not just like be a good team, but potentially get out of the East a couple years from now. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think I think their team is already like kind of stacked from a good bench and a good role player standpoint. And as their young players continue to grow and get better, uh, obviously they can make more additions. And I mean, I don't think there's anything hindering Atlanta as a market to like sign good free agents. But I think I think they're going to be near the top of the East for a long time. I mean, people are going to want to play with Trey Young. People love playing with playmakers like that. They're going to flock yeah. to him like Steve Nash. Um, I think the X factor is DeAndre Hunter's health because. I think DeAndre Hunter was really impressive in the first 20 games when he played and he was having a, like he was putting up 15 points on good efficiency with good defense on his second year and it's like he could be like a 20.3 and D kind of guy going forward kind of like the Mikel Bridges out here um, but he dealt with a couple injuries and then had surgery and he won't be back so they need to get him healthy because I think he's a big part of their team going forward I'm a big fan. I think DeAndre Hunter is probably, I mean, other than Trey Young, obviously, uh, probably their best, you know, like they're the rookie contract type of players. Um, unless John Collins is still on his, I don't know. But I think he's definitely a really important piece to them, and he definitely needs to get healthy. The fact that they're doing this good without him already, you know, yeah, speaks words to how good that roster is. But yeah. They're missing um, Cam Reddish as well. So basically, their two wing defenders are out. 
they're forced to play uh what is Solomon it? Hill. Solomon fucking Hill. Pelican's throwback. Yeah, like who who provides negative offense, but like they need some sort of defender because Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich are great shooters, but are not good at defense. So they they kind of just need that balance. So missing their two young defenders who are also like at least decent offensively, they're fucking playing Solomon Hill. That sucks. Yeah, it really sucks to have to be a team that plays Solomon Hill. I can't imagine Feels that. Sad, man. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Yeah, rip next though. I mean, hey, no one, no one expected them to be this good anyway. So this is, yeah. I'd still say this is a successful season. Like they lost four one to the Hawks, but this is the Knicks have, I think, the most or second most cap space coming into this year. And everyone was like, well, yeah, it's the Knicks. Like they're a big market, but they're not going to sign anyone because they're not successful. But now look at them, right? They're the now four they're seed. They have a couple of young players. Barrett quickly, uh, Toppin actually started finally playing down the stretch, and that was good to see. Uh, Randall's still got another year in his contract. They have like 50 mil in cap space. They have draft picks. They have Dallas's draft picks. Uh, hopefully New York doesn't fuck this up because, you know, sometimes they rush it and they've been known to fuck these kinds of things over. But considering what a weird state they were in a couple of years ago, this is a really good place for them. Yeah. I uh, always commend the Knicks for just even when they impress their fans, they still manage to disappoint them. Because they came out of nowhere when they were supposed to be probably one of the worst teams in the league. They yeah. grabbed a four seed, and everyone was like, whoa, the Knicks. And then they kind of got just swiftly dismissed by the Hawks, and I thought that was very funny. Yeah, but, uh... but, this, but this is that first step, right? Like, yeah, no, they absolutely. weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. So just even though they went down 4-1, having a young squad with a ton of cap space make the playoffs when you were supposed to be 10 spots lower is absolutely a successful season, no matter what 100%. happened in the playoffs. I agree. I just, uh, I, the team never looked like a four seed to me. And whenever yeah. I watched them, uh, whatever happened, they made it there. They won the games, obviously. But they always kind of looked more like a seven to eight, six at the highest seed to me, even at their best. And I think the series reflected that. Yeah. Yeah, they were definitely punching above their weight a little bit. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And, uh, anyone else got anything to say about this series before we move on to another very embarrassing series? I mean, that's pretty much the whole East, but yeah, no, I'm I'm good to move on. <laughs> that's true. You can't even tell which series I'm going to. Uh, true. We're, we're going to go to the Bucks and the Heat right here, which was just annihilation. Yep. This is the exact opposite of what happened last year. I mean, everyone... Everyone knew that this was, everyone was expecting this to be an interesting series, and it was cool to see that the Bucks, like, after getting embarrassed last year, they could have, like, tanked one of their last games against the Heat and been locked into a different matchup, but they said, fuck it, we want the Heat. Uh, and now it's pretty clear why, but I think this is, this is, like, there's a lot of factors that went into this literally being a 180 from last year, and I think the biggest one is just both teams went in a different direction. I think the Bucks are a better team than they were last year, and I think the Heat are a worse team than they were last year, and I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I think um, the worst part about that series was that it made me a believer in the Bucks again. I said that I wouldn't, <laughs> and then they immediately come out and get stomped by the Nets. And by the way, they were up by 19 at the end of the first quarter. At halftime, they're only up by three now. 
Yeah, so the Nets returned fire in that second quarter. Yeah. So, I hate being a believer in the Bucks. They always let me down. That's <laughs> uh, what I get for wanting to root for Drew Holiday. But I digress. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the Heat just kind of kind of struggled all year. You know, they had the COVID problems, injury problems. And I feel like people just expected them to turn it on all the time. But kind of like you said with the Lakers, sometimes the regular season is just actually reflective of, of your peak. I think that was the heat this year. Everyone expected them to be able to just flip the switch and turn it on. Uh, Jimmy Butler's been getting memed for saying, oh, just get me to the playoffs and then I'll take care of us. And then shooting like 30%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think they had it this year. Tyler Hero was obviously a big part of their bubble run, and then Shuri was just kind of random bench player, you know. Yeah, there was there was a lot of weird things going on in Miami too. Like speaking on Tyler Hero, uh, it felt like, and we and we see this kind of grow sometimes for some other other young players. But like he he hit the sophomore wall where like his raw numbers went up a little bit, but his efficiency went down um, because teams were no longer caught off by him. He was on the scouting reports. Now people know, like, okay, it's Tyler Hero. Like, we kind of know his game. Um, but then there was also some weird shit where, like, he was getting in the news for all the wrong reasons. Miami was concerned. He was getting a little too confident or something early in his career. And there was... So there, there was... I feel like the chemistry on Miami wasn't the same either because it felt like they weren't playing together the way they did last year where it felt like they kind of struck magic in the playoffs because they weren't even that great last year's regular season but mm. then it felt like they found something in the playoffs where um and and to be fair like last year's playoffs were fucking weird because all the players were in such a different environment and we'll never see something like that again and so there's certainly some discussion to be had about like i don't want to say frauds because like everyone yeah, like, and you could meme about that, but like, it was a level playing field. Every team had the same restrictions. Let's not act like Miami was getting special treatment right. or something. They came out and they took it to teams, uh, and they deserve to be there. But I, I think it was a little bit of they weren't able to sneak up on teams anymore. I think teams knew their weaknesses now. I think Bam also got a little bit exposed because he's basically a non-factor offensively, even though he averaged 19 points per game. Uh, and he's been trying to like extend his range to mid range. Doesn't really have a post game, and he doesn't really have a jump shot yet. Um, and so Milwaukee in the series basically played drop coverage where Brook Lopez just kind of sat in the paint, and Bam caught the ball at the free throw line. He's like, "Yeah, I know you're gonna do a dribble handoff fast because that's literally what you do. Like, you're a great passing big, but you're no threat right now." And so I think Bam needs to go into this offseason and look to add something to his offensive repertoire. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, once again, sorry, I'm kind of rushing it along here. I'm trying to keep us under a certain time. But uh, any, anything else to say about this series? No, not really. I didn't think so. And we will finish up the very embarrassing East with the Nets and the Celtics. All I have to say is, Kemba Walker, you have let me down. Yeah, Jason Tatum's a god, and Kimba Walker is slightly washed up. Yeah, That's about all there is to say about that series. Yeah, and I mean, Boston's roster is, it's it's in a really tough spot. Like, they, they still have Tatum and Brown, and obviously you build around those two guys, but now they're on their max deals. They're under max contract for Kimba Walker. They don't, they don't have salary, 
And on top of that, they've slowly but surely been losing a bit of their depth every year. I think losing Gordon Hayward hurts them more than people realize. They lost Daniel Tice now. Um, this team is playing like their three guys, Marcus Smart, and a bunch of fucking veteran minimum guys and rookies. And it shows, especially when one of your two superstars goes down and it's literally Jason Tatum, washed up Kemba, and fucking rookies who are the 26th pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not good enough to cut it. Yeah, I think they've kind of blown their chance for a little bit. I mean, not like permanently or anything, you know. Tatum and Brown are both young. They have many, many years ahead of them. Um, but I think for the next few years, maybe two or three, you know, they're kind of cap-strapped and the roster just doesn't look that good. Uh, you know, now they're going to be hiring a new coach. They're kind of resetting a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a couple of years. They're not going to do much. What Brad Stevens does as a GM. Hmm. He, yeah, because he's 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 got a task ahead of him. I mean, Danny Age. It feels like Danny Age is a little bit hesitant sometimes. Like he gathers all these great assets oh. and he's really good at drafting, but then sometimes he's like halfway hesitant to pull the trigger on stuff where he can't commit to either contending or building a young team and he kind of just tries to do both uh and i think that's come back to bite them in the ass a little bit here yeah i mean something interesting is he kind of scoffed on the chance to trade for Kawhi, and the team that traded for Kawhi and the raptors won the championship Mm kind of scoffed on the chance to trade for anthony davis and the team that traded for anthony davis and the lakers won the championship um i think they just needed a little bit more a little bit more balls. I think they needed to go for it, and they never did. And now they're kind of stuck for a couple of years. Yeah, I think their windows closed as far as this team. Uh, you have Jason Tatum, who is obviously a, an amazing basketball player, and you have Jalen Brown, who's very good. But they got you a seven seed this year, so you obviously need something else. Mm-hmm. And until then, they're just a seven seed. Yeah, this this team is what people want Dallas to be with Luca and Porzingis, where they have two young superstars, and I say superstars for both of them because, yes, I think Jason Tatum is fucking fantastic, uh, and they're both under 25, but I think uh, Dallas Dallas had some great role players that helped them play above where they were, whereas I think Boston has some of the worst supporting cast in the league. Like, Boston uh-huh. legitimately might have the worst bench in the league. Uh, yeah. All due respect to Peyton Pritchard, who had a solid rookie year, like, when Peyton Pritchard is the best player coming off your bench in his first year, that's that's a fucking sign. Yeah. Yeah. That's atrocious. And I think, unless there's something I'm missing here, we just wrapped up round one. Yep. Yep. And we can't really talk too much about what's not done yet, but we've got Utah versus the Clippers. It's kind of rapid fire. Give me your thoughts. Go ahead. As in seven. Uh, Jazz and six. I'm going Jazz and five. Fuck you guys. Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan Mitchell is just so good at basketball, man. It's insane. This Utah team is super well built. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. I think objectively, they should be the favorites to make the finals right now. But personally, I'm I'm on the Phoenix train, uh, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, the Utah is stacked. Their role players are so good. Their defense is so good. But they're the best three-point shooting team in the league. 
no reason that they shouldn't be able to win the finals on paper. Right. This team gives me modern day 2004 Pistons vibes, where they have Rudy Gobert as the fucking generational defender. They have a shooting guard who can get buckets where they need to. They have a clutch two way point guard. And then they just have the right mix of like defense and shooting on the wings. I agree. I see that. Okay. Nuggets, Suns. Rapid fire, go. Suns. Suns, yeah. It looks, I, my prediction was actually Suns in seven. But, and, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is kind of hurt now and is struggling. And Nuggets just don't look very good. Sorry, I think probably Suns in five. I'd still say six, but yeah. I'm saying six. Yeah, I I thought Denver's issues where they don't have any guards would come back to bite them against Portland, because I was like, who the fuck's going to chase around Dame and McCollum? Like, Jamal Murray's out, they traded Gary Harris, Will Barton's injured. Like, they're literally playing Compazzo 36 minutes a night, all due respect to Compazzo. Um... But I, I think I think it went both ways where like they, they didn't really have anyone to guard Portland's guards, but then Portland doesn't have anyone to guard Jokic or Porter. So they don't have anyone to guard anyone. Yeah, exactly. But Phoenix is the opposite. Phoenix can both plug Porter and Jokic with Aiton and Bridges. So Phoenix has really good defenders at the two positions where De- the only two positions where Denver can get consistent offense and has two guards who um Denver has no answer for. So yeah, I think this is this is really heavily Phoenix favored. Um, with Jamal Murray, this is a lot more interesting, but I think Denver is just lacking that dynamic shot creator. Yeah, I yeah. would agree. I think if the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, they would be on their way to the finals right now. I think he would definitely be favorite with the Lakers out. Um, I mean, even if the Lakers were still in the playoffs and healthy, you could argue that series either way to me. Um, I think next year is their year to make a run. They just need to stay healthy. I think, I think they need. I think the Murray injury killed them. I think like Murray healthy, Porter healthy, and better. But I think the Denver is missing a perimeter defender, a like true three and D guy. They don't. They don't even need like some superstar, DeAndre Hunter, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Like I, I love how I Aaron Gordon. Yeah, but Aaron Gordon's more of like the perfect fitting four man next to them. I think they need more of like a six five six six guard who's three like like kind of what Gary Harris was supposed to be before Gary Harris forgot how to shoot basketballs. Um, so I think like a Danny Green, right? Like they they need like a low end. Like they don't need a superstar, but if they could use their like eight million exception that they're gonna have most of it on like a true three and D guy to pair next to Murray, and they go Murray that guy. Porter, Gordon, Jokic, that's a, that's a championship-level team to me. Yeah, I agree, for sure. I also agree. And uh, since we're kind of in consensus about who's winning the two West series we have left, it's going to be the Suns and the Jazz, right? We agreed on that? Yeah. Uh, who do you have coming out, going to the finals, real quick? Suns. Uh, Jazz. I'm taking the Suns as well. And uh, I don't want to go too far into that because we're running out of time fast. So we're just going to kick to the East. Sixers, Hawks, who you got? Go. Sixers and six. I think the Hawks will take one more. I agree with that. I also agree with that. And Milwaukee, Brooklyn. 
Nets in five. Nets in five. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Bucks. And then who do you have coming out of the East? Nets in six. I'll also say six. Fuck you guys. I'm taking the Sixers because I want to be different. And when I'm right, I can come back in our next episode, which will be three months from now, and say I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) So, all things considered, it's been great playoffs, and I like the variety in the teams, you know? Yeah, we have five teams who have never won an NBA title, and Mm. three teams who haven't won a title since pre-2000s. So, that's really fucking good for the league. Yes, sir. I mean... I'll say that even though they haven't won a title, the Clippers and the Nets don't exactly fit under the same umbrella as the other teams. That they're still, you know, LA and New York super teams that were formed in free agency. Yeah, but I mean that's fair. It would still be better than seeing the Lakers win you know, yes. or Celtics yeah. or whoever. And I mean, I can get behind um, James Harden winning a title. Honestly, he fucking carried Houston for half a yeah. decade. I don't want to see Durant win, though, so I'm kind of split on Brooklyn, honestly. Like, I'm like, yeah, Harden and Griffin getting a ring, I'm all for it, but fucking Durant and Irving getting another one? Hell no. Like, Why couldn't they just have more likable guys? Uh, I, I, I like all the players on the Nets team. I just hate the super teams. Uh, no, I don't. That's a lie. I, I do. I hate, I, I, do. I hate how good the super team is. <laughs> like, but I think compared to like most super teams, Brooklyn has more exploitable weaknesses than teams like Miami and Golden State did. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd say I think, like, just overall their talent is more, if you were to compare, like, their big three. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, the Nets are probably the most offensively stacked super team we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, not the best super team because the offense would still be really fucking close to the KD Warriors, except the KD Warriors were way better on defense. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. All right, so four teams left. So I realize it's kind of a shoddy prediction to make, but who you got winning it all? Go. Suns over Nets. I'm going. I'm. I'm believing in the Suns. You know the the new hometown team. Living <laughs> in Phoenix. Got to see it. Suns and Nets. Suns over Nets in seven. I'm fucking split because like. My gut feeling is Brooklyn, but my heart says Utah in seven. I want to see Utah win a title uh, and fucking redeem themselves for those back-to-back Jordan losses. Yeah, I feel you. My brain says to take the team out of the East. My heart says to ride Phoenix to the end. I'm taking Phoenix over the Sixers in seven games. It's going to be a great series. I will see you all there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The best timeline. <laughs> all right. So... That about wraps up this episode. We're damn nearing an hour. Holy shit. So, I'd like to say see you guys next week. But, let's see. It's been about a year, almost. Uh, 11 months since our first episode. And since then, we've produced five. This is six. So, I can't really count on next week. But, we'll try. And for now, if you want to... You gotta believe. Thank you, Alex, for being here. Hopefully you will be back next week. Get used to seeing Alex, or I guess hearing him. Yeah, thanks for having me. Check us out on Twitter at Division4Pod. Listen to us on Spotify. And that's all I got to say. Say goodbyes, boys. Later.